Christ. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak, and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. When you hear the word home, what do you think of? If you're a visitor here, part-timer, you probably think of where you've come from. If you live here, there's a chance you think of where you live here as home. Maybe not. When I say the word home, when I think of home, I think of one oyster landing road, Hilton Head Island. I've lived here nearly 25 years. Longer than I've lived in any one house. If I think of hometown or where I've come from, I think of Pittsburgh. Especially today. with a big game looming on the horizon. But what's interesting about Pittsburgh and thinking about Pittsburgh, I lived there nearly 30 years, and so in a sense I lived there longer than anywhere else. But I lived in five different places in Pittsburgh. I grew up initially in the city until my dad graduated 10 years of night school at Carnegie Tech. And then we moved to the suburbs on the west side. And then I married Meredith, and we moved to the south side of the city. And then we got thrown out of there. No, just kidding. And then we moved to the north side of the city, to Sewickley. And then my first call to the ministry, we moved to the east side of Pittsburgh, to Forest Hills. So I lived in five different places in Pittsburgh. And I never thought that I would leave Pittsburgh. But then when I realized when the Lord was calling me away from Pittsburgh, I had the city covered. I'd lived in the city and in all four directions. And the Lord had something else in mind. The Lord never does anything by accident. That's really what the reading from Amos is about. If you read the reading from Amos, that's what it's saying. Do you really think that this happens without this? Do you really think that this happens without this? Nothing happens with the Lord by accident. The Lord had a plan. He had a plan for me. That after being in Pittsburgh nearly 30 years, I would go five years to San Antonio. Then out of San Antonio, I would come here almost 25 years now. And I've been in the same home for that amount of time. When you think of Jesus' home, where do you think of? There's an interesting thought to ponder. Some of you might be thinking Bethlehem because that's where he was born and that's what we often sing about. We sang one song this morning that talked about Bethlehem. I don't know if you caught that. And we sing about Bethlehem at Christmas time a lot. 
But he didn't stay there long. Do you know where his next home was? By the way? Egypt. Someone said it. Egypt. He fled Herod and went to Egypt. And then his next home? We heard today Nazareth. And he was there until he was approximately 30 years old. And then he went down to see his cousin John the Baptist near the Jordan. And he was baptized and went out into the wilderness. And it's at that time when he came out of the wilderness, he began his public ministry. And apparently came back to Nazareth. And if you know some of the early stories of that, he wasn't really well accepted there. And if you listen to today's gospel reading, it says, and most people never think about this, quote, and he made his home in Capernaum. Did you realize that? That Jesus' home was in Capernaum. That's interesting to me. Because we never talk about it, we never think about it. But look at today's gospel reading. And there's significance to that, which I'll get to in a second. But sidebar on that, if you go to Mark chapter 2, Mark says the same thing in his gospel. And there's an interesting story in Mark chapter 2. If you don't know the story, I encourage you when you go home to read it, because it's that story where Jesus, when he goes home, and people flock to his house, and he's teaching in the house, and it's so crowded there that people bring a paralytic, And because they can't get in with this paralytic, they lower him through the roof. They tear his roof apart. That's his home. How would you like that? You're doing all these good things. You're healing people. You're teaching people. And someone comes and they tear your home apart. I don't think I'd like that too much. But that's his home. In Capernaum. Now here's the significance to that. If you have your bulletin, or if you want to look in your pew Bible, it's on page 879. After John the Baptist was arrested, the heat was on near the Jordan and near Jerusalem, where John was doing his ministry. And then he goes back to Nazareth, and there's problems there. So he moves to Capernaum, and it says, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and from those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Now what's fascinating about that is it says Galilee of the Gentiles. There were Jews there. All the apostles were Jews. Talks about the synagogues. What's the significance of that? What's going on in this passage? You need to know where in the prophet Isaiah this comes from in order to have some of the insight to this. Let me read to you the context so that you really understand the significance to this passage. Isaiah begins, chapter 9, verse 1, the land of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious 
the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Now, we heard that in Matthew, but let me read to you from verse 6. You'll recognize this. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Same chapter. Same chapter. We all know that from Handel's Messiah, right? You don't know the first part, though. Comes from the same chapter. That's the significance. It's a messianic passage, a powerful messianic passage. Thank you. It talks about the land of darkness. Why? Because Galilee was heavily influenced by the Gentile world, the Romans and the Greeks. Lots of other gods. A secular nature to the culture, a lot of immorality. Sound familiar? And notice the phrase, the valley, the shadow of death. Why? Because where there's darkness, where there's spiritual darkness, where there's other gods, where there's immorality, sin is rampant. And it leads to spiritual death. That's why. And where does light shine the best when it's dark. You know, right now, you probably wouldn't know it. The moon and the stars are in the sky. But it's too light for us to see them. Even with all the cloud cover, because it's daytime, you wouldn't know they're there. You need the darkness. And see, when people are willing, willing to see the darkness in their life, then they're willing to hear the first word out of John the Baptist's mouth and Jesus' mouth when they begin their public ministry. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the first word out of Jesus' mouth. You need to change. That's what the word repent means. Not everybody likes to change. Did you ever notice that? If you're married, how many have spouses that really are just waiting to change? How many have children that are just waiting for you to tell them what to do. We want to do what we want to do. 
See, there's different reactions to this invitation to change, to repent. For those who are aware that they've been sitting in darkness and they are aware that Jesus is the light of the world who has come into the world to bring this transformation, who provides hope, they respond. But then there's the other reactions. And those other reactions come in two forms. There's people that hear it and say, not for me, and they walk away. I don't want this. I don't need this. I don't want to be bothered with this. And they walk away. We see that in John 6. Too hard for me. Too much of a bother. We see that in the world. Inconvenienced? Pay a price? Cost? Time? Effort? No, there's too much. Too many good things to do. But then there's the people who are exposed and don't want to be exposed. What happens when you're exposed and you don't want to be exposed? How do you typically react to that? You get angry, defensive. That's what happens. And that's what we saw with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And people would reject the Christ. As the scripture says, people love darkness rather than light. Not everyone. But that's what sometimes happens. That when people hear this word repent, they don't want to change. They want to be told that they're fine and everything's fine and you're okay, not a problem. People don't want to change. And Jesus is inviting change. You know, it's interesting who Jesus chooses to invite, not only to follow him, but to be leaders in this following. It's a surprising call. It's fishermen. Fishermen. Matthew says it twice about the people that Jesus invites. Twice. He wants to make a point. These are commoners. You know, where Jesus was, if you caught in the prophecy of Isaiah and Matthew reiterates, Galilee by the sea. So James and John, Andrew and Peter, they were probably familiar with Jesus. Because the different Gospels give us different pictures. They probably heard him preach before. They probably knew about him. They may have even known about him from from different scenes when he did his first miracle at Cana. Maybe that came before, maybe that came after. We don't know. Maybe they heard about him from Nazareth and what happened there. The reality is they probably knew about him. They may have heard him preach. But Jesus calls these commoners, these fishermen. They're not the religious elite. To 
to follow him and become fishers of men. Now think about that just for a second. Do you think they really understood what Jesus was asking? They were simple, but they weren't stupid. You know people like that, don't you? I know people like that. People that work on some of the things that I ask people to work on, my car, my house. They haven't been necessarily to college. They're not well-educated in some ways, but they are bright people. I couldn't begin to do some of the things these people do. They're smart in different ways. These men are strong. And probably strong-willed. But they're willing to submit. They're not perfect. They don't fully understand what they're getting themselves into. They can't comprehend completely what Jesus is inviting them to. They don't have all the answers. But they're willing to trust Him. There's something about Jesus when He invited them. They were willing to repent. They were willing to say, there's something about this man. There's something about His words. There's something about this invitation that's cut to my heart. And I want to follow Him. I want to find out what this is about. They're willing to leave their former life. Which is what we all have to do when we really understand the gospel. Whatever that means, our former life. And we follow him. And then we're told what that means. Verse 23 says... And he went out, proclaiming the gospel, teaching in their synagogues, and healing. Jesus' threefold ministry. Preaching or proclaiming, teaching, and healing. Which the apostles then would take on. Which we then as the body of Christ, the ones who follow in the footsteps of the apostles and disciples, we are to take on together, collectively. Collectively. Not just the experts. The apostles were not experts. You need to understand that. At this point in time, they were not equipped. They trusted Jesus. They followed Jesus. They had no idea what they were getting themselves into. None. We've all done that. Most of us have done that. Have you ever gotten into something you didn't understand fully what you were getting into? I got married. <laughs> I had children. I had no idea what I was getting myself into with both of those. I wouldn't take it back, most of it. I became a homeowner. 
I had no idea. My son, Daniel, he and his wife bought a house a couple weeks ago, moved in, called me up two days ago. Dad, great line. Dad, this is Daniel. This is probably the first call of many. Really smart line. Then he asked me some questions about what he's embarking on, what he's doing around the house. And then he said something really smart. He said, you know what's funny? It's different now that I own the place. <laughs> really? Maybe he'll treat my place a little different when he comes now. <laughs> Quick learner, that kid. Sometimes. We don't know what we're getting ourselves into. A lot of times. We still do it, don't we? When we're willing to take the step. Why is it? Why is it? So many really don't fully take the step when it comes to the Lord. Why is it people talk about repentance, but don't do it? People talk about following Him, but don't do it. It's a step-by-step, day-by-day. You don't have all the answers. You don't know everything you're doing. You know, if you'd told me when I got into the ministry what I was going to encounter, I had no idea. I still run into things to this day that I had no idea that I was going to encounter when I took on this ministry. To this day. And I'm still trying to figure it out. And I'm still trying to do the best I can. Trusting him. You know the reality? When the apostles were in the upper room. And Jesus was giving all these instructions. Read John 13 through 17. And he's talking about giving them the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was going to instruct them. And he was about to die. And their heads are spinning. And they're going between saying, I don't really get this. I don't really understand this. But at the same time, I want to trust him. And he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Then he dies. You want to talk about sitting in darkness? You want to talk about the valley of the shadow of death? They understand. And then there was the resurrection. And the light shined. And then there was Pentecost. And they understood the power of the Holy Spirit. Did they fully get it all? Was it easy after that? No, but they became the church. And they became the ones who proclaimed and they taught and they brought healing to people's lives. 
step by step, day by day. I don't know where each one of you might be. Some of you really have never repented. You really have never started. Some of you have been full of intentions about starting, about following him. Some of you really have never taken any steps to be a part of the body of Christ and grow and do ministry. But we are called to follow in the footsteps of Christ and follow and take on the ministry of his apostles and disciples and be the body of Christ. And be the ones who carry out his threefold ministry in the world today. Because the world is a dark place. And our culture is very much that Gentile world today. And you know where Jesus' home is now? That's where I want to be. And I want to take as many with me as possible. Especially the ones I love. And we need to do that together. Let's pray. Lord God, sometimes when I think about the apostles, I sometimes put them on a pedestal and I forget. They were commoners. They didn't have the answers. They just repented and chose to follow you. In a challenging world. Lord, that's the world we live in today. Where there's a lot of darkness in our culture, other gods, a secular, immoral world in many ways. And yet your, your light still shines, Lord, in our hearts and through your church. Lord, I pray that we would be the apostles and disciples today, that we would respond to your call, to truly be your church in a world that desperately needs the gospel. Desperately needs the light. Recognizing that not not all will respond. And yet there is such a need. Help us to be your body. And carry out your threefold ministry. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.